you could have been anywhere today, but you chose to be here with us. 45.3, six degrees of celebration. Okay, you can use that every time. <laughs> every time. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the second episode. Yeah, hey everyone, thanks for being with us. Thanks for uh, celebrating our week anniversary. We're so happy we got you a little present. It's doing the same thing again. Yeah. <laughs> we know you loved it so much the first time, so we bought it again, and here you go. How was your week, Alan? It was so rough. <laughs> I mean, sorry, we're positive. I had we're a right, great, great week. No, but like that's also like a thing, though. Is like I think part of this is like finding the good in the rough weeks or the bad times. Yeah, and it, you definitely can't live a more positive life if you're spending all your time ignoring the negative. Right. Obviously, super excited about the inauguration of our, our new president. Yes. Super cool. Pol- politics aside, you know, it's always cool to see democracy at work. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, just getting to see our our president, our new vice president, Madam Vice President. How cool um, is that? Like, it, oh, it, man. It, it rolls off the tongue very nicely. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we can move forward as a country and do do the thing. President Bill Clinton was at the inauguration. <laughs> and in related news, Matt, are you wearing pants right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i'm trying because i would never in my, in my head i'm clicking the two um, thank you <laughs> yes i am wearing pants right now that, i was thinking about that i was thinking you know like we could literally be wearing any kind of pants and neither of each other would know and then also we could be wearing anything or nothing and none Correct. of the listeners would know Correct. Well, I'm in full drag right now. Well, yeah, as yeah, as you typically are. I, I right. I I am in full drag, face beat, hair six feet high. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of dressing sexily, <laughs> I want to talk about these boots I bought. Go on. Okay, so I yeah, first off, I hate. I'm gonna get heated like right. <laughs> to, you know, start at a high point. First off, I hate how works will make you dress in business casual for work. Yeah, dress shoes are, I would argue, the least comfortable type of shoe, and mm-hmm. I hate that during eight hours a day, five days a, a week, for like every week of our entire lives, we have to wear these work shoes to work. Mm-hmm. That really upsets me, and it's because of that, that if I find a pair I like, I typically wear them until they're falling apart. That's fair. So recently I had to go get a new pair because those part pair were falling apart. And so Jenny and I, we descended on the <laughs> the DSW. That's where we went. Oh, I love a DSW. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And so we took to the DSW with some of that Christmas money and we went to buy some shoes. And we're very, very thankful that we are in a financial situation where we can do something like that. And why do I care so much about these boots? I didn't know that boots could feel sexy. How, how do you mean? Like say more, say more now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I put on these shoes and I felt sexy. Okay. No, okay. No, I get it. Yeah. Like I put on these boots and I like took a few walks and I like did that thing where you like look over your shoulder and you like pop the heel a little and you're like, oh, 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 oh." yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I went to Boston Pride last time, we actually had Pride. I wore my Doc Martin boots Mm -hmm. and that is a big clunky boot. And I'm just like, yes, this is giving me everything. Like, everything i did some google image research yeah and i i think this type of shoe is called a 
Chuka? Oh, a Chuka shoe. Oh, a Chuka. Okay. A chuka, okay. I, I say Chuka. Chuka? Uh, I, I say Chuka. I don't know. I think it depends on where you are. No, a Chuka boot is great. It's that little like ankle high. Yeah, it's like higher than I'm used to. Little, little higher. Definitely super versatile. Like you can. You know, jeans, khakis. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to dress it up, you can do like, yeah, oh, it, yeah, I love a good like chukka boot. I've also heard them called desert boots. I've, I've got them here. Would you like to see them? I would. Let's do a visual gag for our audio only podcast. Oh, those are good. Right? Yeah. yeah so if I can describe them, just, you know, so they're like a brown leather, not a whole lot of embossing or like broguishness, very straightforward, very understated, shiny, but not absurdly shiny, not like a prom shoe. Mm-hmm. Very, very versatile, good color. Here's a little bit of Foley for our Foley fans. This is me running my fingers across the boot. Oh, that's good. This is, this is the ASMR portion. I apologize if the hairs went up on the back of your head. You're if you're one of the like, right, if you're one of the people who like does not do ASMR, sorry, not sorry, because I love ASMR. Hi, uh, welcome to my salon. I'm gonna cut your hair. Oh, uh, don't start. Oh my god, don't. <laughs> I'm just like the sound of like a hair salon or mm. like. People like, I'm just going to splash this water in a bowl around is just the best thing. Uh, the reason this this boot thing is sticking with me and why I wanted to bring it up yeah. is because my hair started thinning when I was 21 is when it like started. And it's finally reaching the point where, you know, I'm trying to grow out facial hair because I am going to get to the point soon where I won't be able to realistically not shave my head. Does that make sense? Like I'm getting to the point where it's like, all right, you know, you need to do something. Yeah. So I felt like I've been struggling for a while with feeling attractive. Mm. Not like I don't think I'm an attractive guy, but it's like one of those things where, you know, you lose a kind of self-confidence when Mm -hmm. something like your hair starts to go. Yeah. And so I put on these boots and I was like, oh, whoa. Mm. It opened my mind to the idea of, you know, I can be sexy again, you know, like I'm not defined by whatever changes my body is going to go through as I get older. I can, Mm -hmm. I can find a way to be comfortable in myself and find confidence in that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people should have either a piece of, clothing or something like that that just initiates that okay this is good this makes me feel right yeah and then if you're able to kind of build around that and i think like kind of last week we talked about like the marie kondo curate your life kind of thing with your objects yeah i think the same thing you can do with clothing where all right so you took those boots and you built you know a wardrobe or a collection of stuff around that and around the way that feels and knowing how that feels like all right does this sweater make me feel that same way right you can kind of go off of that and then it just snowballs into just your infinite levels of like jvn level confidence Mm-hmm. And I don't think <laughs> I don't think you need to break the bank either doing that. No, it's something that typically is associated with people who are privileged enough to to care about their wardrobe in that kind of way. Oh yeah, they're not just thinking about functionality. They feel secure enough that they can now think about form and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I don't think that's true. I think you know, no matter where you are in your life and whatever kind of financial status you are in, caring about how you feel in the everyday, I think, is really important absolutely 100 agree you gotta love it love yourself find your bliss <laughs> what, what's another one? live laugh love learn <laughs> needlessly she persisted 
Nope. Nope. I don't know why she keeps talking. Oh my gosh. What is it? It's uh, uh, nevertheless. Nevertheless, she persisted. Oh. Yeah. And it's when, it's when uh, Elizabeth Warren was objecting. To, I forget to what. I'm sorry. I forget what she was objecting to, but she was booted from the chamber. And the report was saying, nevertheless, she persisted. And then it became a feminist rally cry. Really? I thought it was like a quote from a book. No. Well, it, like if by book you mean like, like minutes from the Senate floor, um, <laughs> then yes. <laughs> Alan, I need you to confirm two things for me. All right. Not for me, but for the listeners who may not know me. Okay. You know me that I, I, I like to run. Can confirm. Do you also confirm that I am also very gay? Can confirm. Okay, cool. Not from any experience, but we know that I'm gay. I, yeah, I can't confirm it. We have not kissed, but I no. have it on good authority. That <laughs> yes. You are. Exes of mine can confirm that. Right. But yeah, so basically I found a group of people that kind of meld these two things. So ever since I moved to Boston, I've been trying to get a bit more acquainted with just different things to do. Instead of just like going to work, coming home, you know, occasionally going to exercise or like that was dinner or whatever, just finding little things to get and so I had learned that there was actually a running group in Boston that is made of gay people. And it is really, really fun to find a group like that mm-hmm. who just has that like, like, yes, we are one thing, but we are also other thing too. And finding the like Venn diagram of where we overlap right. and finding that little middle ground is really satisfying and fun. So I want to talk about Girl. Which is like, the name of oh, <laughs> is the name of the group? Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about. I want to talk about the essence. What is girl? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the name of the group is girl. Is it an acronym? It is an acronym. Okay. So it is spelled G U R L because we're fun. Girl. <laughs> right. It's it, it's part of the contract, and it just stands for Gay Urban Running League. Oh wow, that worked really well. It does, and I'm like mm. that's kind of perfect. Um, so basically, every Tuesday we meet up in the same spot there are two routes you can do you can do like a little four mile run you can do a little five mile run whatever and we just go and we meet up at a place in south boston and we just kind of hang out and talk and drink water and catch up and it's very enjoyable to kind of have this group of like-minded people and people who just share this common interest and just be able to talk about you know whatever's going on like this week with kind of being the historical week that it is we're all like oh so how are we all feeling now what's going on here and it was just very very enjoyable to find you know find a tribe and more or less. Yeah, I definitely can understand that. And I think, you know, I can only relate to my experience, right? So it harkens back to when I worked at summer camp for scouts. It was like, you know, you're in this different environment, you're doing fun stuff, but everybody else that shows up, you don't know them, but you know their base level. Mm-hmm. Like you have this common denominator between all of you. And that's like really cool. I'm like super happy that you found that group. That sounds awesome. Thank you. No, I'm really happy about it too. And and, and it's just, it's something that I, I'm saying this as someone who, you know, is a part of the community and part of the, you know, group of people. Um, so much of being a part of that community is going out to various things like bars or clubs or restaurants or usually involve drinking or doing other things that may not 
be good for everyone that people may not want to do. So I think it's really good to have different outlets. I'll, I'll talk about one story. I was out with a couple of my friends and there is a, uh, a gay-owned restaurant in Dorchester called D-Bar. That's phenomenal. Oh, it's had such great food. But basically, we're all sitting there. We're having having a good time, having drinks, having food. And one of the people who's with us is with the... Knows the, the waiter. Mm-hmm. And they're talking and talking. And then all of a sudden from behind us, we have this huge like group of people walking through. And the waiter turns to look, rolls his eyes, mm-hmm. and goes, and goes, oh, it's the sports gaze. And we're like, what? Because <laughs> it's the sports gaze. And basically what it was, it's a like gay kickball league. And after their games, they all come to this restaurant to like hang out. And I'm just like, it is very wholesome and pure. That they're just like, all right, we're going to go play kickball. And then we're going to like for a pizza party. <laughs> like it's, it's like, it's very, gr- it's very grown up, like little league. Right. At the end of your season, you went off like the banquet. Right. Yeah. It's very like, we're adults. We can have the banquet every weekend and after every game. <laughs> I love the concept of of this community just having its own cliques within, and there's like a West oh, Side yeah. Story esque, like, oh, it's the sports game. Oh, right, it's the running gaze, it's the craft, <laughs> it's the crafting gaze, or whatever else. I don't know. And like, um, if somebody starts a like a rumble or like tensions are building in the bar, and you just see like the knitting gaze, like pull out their needles and then like, sharpening and getting in poses. It's very Anchorman. Right, all the, exactly. all the, new, all the news crews. That's exactly it's very, what yeah. it is. <laughs> But yeah, so I just want to talk about how good it is to be able to find a group of people who do what you like. And if you don't have that group, I encourage you to find one because I'm 95% sure it probably exists. And if not, it's your job to start it. Yeah, absolutely. In your older age, right? When you get into your 20s and above, mm-hmm. like when you are effectively an adult and you're out there trying to make some kind of life for yourself, it is very easy to let opportunities for social engagement and building new friendships just like fall by the wayside like it's hard it, it's hard to make friends in in school that was your common denominator you all had to be there so you might as well be friends yeah uh, and so what you have to do as an adult is like find a new school whether it's running or whether it's you know a sport or something like that you know there are these groups out there of a whole bunch of people who are having the exact same problem as you mm-hmm. and everybody wants a new friend absolutely Matt, did you know that you look hotter with your mask on? What? <laughs> not you specifically, but human beings. It's not an insult. This is just science. Oh, is this science? It's Wait, science. What are you getting at? I did some research. I have two studies <laughs> that are sources. I did research on this. All right. This is how it came about. I was having my break at work. I was yeah. eating my chicken quesadilla as I tend to do every single day. And I heard one of the dining staff comment on my face. They were like, I, that is nothing like what I thought his face looked like. Like I didn't expect his face to look like that at all. And this is not the first time that this has happened. Like not to me specifically, but in my experience, like mm-hmm. I had a, a delivery guy drop off some groceries and like one of the other coworkers commented that he was super cute. So she pulled up his like delivery guy profile, which I guess is a thing now. Um, <laughs> yep. She let out like a, like a disappointed aww when she saw his profile picture. Aww, she's ugly. <laughs> and it was this thing where I was like, are our eyes just the most attractive part of our face, or are we all 
honestly imagining a more attractive face under the mask than is actually there. And so I deep dove into this. There are multiple studies, not just recently. The, mm-hmm. uh, the one I found was in April of 2019. Another is as recent as August of 2020. There are different medical studies done with experiment groups and like the whole nine yards. In essence, reducing visual input greatly increases perceived attractiveness. Interesting. Yeah. So the less you see of someone, the more attractive you tend to find them, which once I started reading about this it made a lot of sense because I know a lot of experiences where you're walking down the street and you see someone like far off and you're like, Oh, they look kind of cute. And then you get closer and you're like, Oh, well, yeah. Reassess. <laughs> well, I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, cause if you think of like people who you think of as attractive, you kind of, some is left to the imagination right, as it yeah. were. So like for whatever reason, as soon as you mentioned this, the first person that came to mind is like the fan of the opera. Oh, okay. Because like, I find a lot of people are like, Ooh, who is like, he's so mysterious. Who, what's, what's under the mat? Like what's under the mask? Oh, Ooh, kind of what's going on there. So I think if we leave it up to like that interpretation, you kind of like think of like, what does he look like under the mask? It it creates a, a sense of mystery Mm -hmm. and B creates attention because you're like, all right, what is under the mask? I want to find out what's under the mask. And like that creates this like sense of excitement to find out what is going on. Yeah. It's like a, it's called a, a partial information effect. Oh yeah. And there were studies, not just about medical masks specifically, but there were also studies about just obstruction Mm -hmm. of like a picture in general, they would take a picture and they would make it a little bit more blurry and people would like rank them as more attractive than when they saw like the completely clear picture, which I I personally feel like that's just our own optimism, maybe, maybe our hopefulness as a species that we we're always striving for the best outcome or, or the most beneficial thing out of any scenario or engagement. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it could be that we're all just incredibly narcissistic or not narcissistic, incredibly judgmental. Yeah, I think it's part of it because or because you hear these studies of uh, people deciding if they want to talk to someone or making snap judgments about people within you know three seconds i i don't know exactly right. but these very very short windows of time and be like it's within this time frame that they decide they're getting a second date or like if they're going to hire you or anything like that right. and it's these absurdly short numbers because people just make really quick judgments based on what little information they have because it's mm-hmm. it's almost it will almost like a survival thing. It's like all right, I have X amount of time, and I have to move quick because if I don't, I die. Um, so, <laughs> but the, you know, your brain doesn't process the fact that like they're probably not going to die today. Right. Yeah. This has come about this this feeling of I am getting to know people a lot more before I actually know you know how physically attractive they are. Mm-hmm. I am happily engaged to a beautiful woman who she fulfills all of my emotional needs and and everything like she is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Like obviously as humans, we find other humans attractive. And so that's where this is coming from. No, I'm not like prospecting or anything. Right. right. Um, But I'll be talking to people and I'll be like, man, I really like them. They're a good friend. And I see them without their mask. And I'm like, does this affect how I feel about them? You know, like, do I still feel that same way? And so this is what I'm pitching. Ground floor, if you want to get in on it, I'm looking for investors. <laughs> a new dating service, all right? Masked dating. Oh, my yes. God. TM, buddy. Okay. TM, all right? <laughs> Our tagline, see the beauty inside first. 
Okay, I can I I can definitely see it. Okay, it's a progressive dating method mm-hmm. where <laughs> everybody is wearing masks, and you literally are getting to know the personality and falling in love with their personality before you're falling in love with their physicality. Mm-hmm. And I am super excited not only at the huge amount of profit margins that we're prospecting. Uh, I'm also very excited <laughs> about like these big philosophical questions of. Mm-hmm. Will you still love someone if you find out you're not physically attracted to them? Does true love really need to have a physical component? That is a really interesting question. And the only thing I want to add to it is if we can add chairs like in the voice. Oh. And at the end you press a button and like, oh, okay, cool. Wow. I didn't expect that. And just like Blake Shelton. Um, Well, I mean, oh, what was that? There's a show on Netflix right now that's like that. You literally only get to know people through their social medias or whatever. Oh, the circle. The circle. I could mm-hmm. see a different kind of reality show similar to that, where instead of it, the masked singer, it's the masked fiance or something dumb like that. They, they, well, they have like 90 Day Fiance and right. all of that. But like, that's not asking questions about like how much does physicality impact emotional attraction. I would almost argue that those shows are the exact opposite. I agree. They're literally showing someone like this is them for 90 days. Like, do you find them immediately attractive enough to willing to like, force yourself into it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This would this would be a lot more of are you feeling this emotional connection strong enough, like at a personal level, that mm-hmm. you're willing to just disregard any kind of physical difference that you were thinking. I like that. Yeah, it's super cool. So I mean, if you want to get in on it, I've got a lot of <laughs> investors lining up. Get in now, people. So, Alan, I want to I do want to ask you. Oh, wait, uh, hold uh, on. Uh, what? <laughs> All of this to say, OK, the whole reason I did. this oh, yes. study, Like literally. OK, I don't care if it's scientifically proven that I look more attractive with my mask on. Do not comment on my physical appearance when I'm eating my <laughs> quesadilla during my break. Brenda. <laughs> Brenda. <laughs> So if they can't fix it in 10 seconds or less, then don't comment on it. That's my literal face. The, the rule of thought. Yeah, that's like, the, I can't. I was born with this. I can't fix my face. I can't change my bone structure. Alan, I do want to ask, did you know that fish don't exist? What? Fish don't exist as we understand it. Is this going to be like a, did you know two plus two equals fish? thing no this is a this is to say i finished a book recently okay called why fish don't exist by lulu miller she's not even a doctor (laughs) she's not a doctor she's a she's a science journalist but this thing has radically changed the way i view humanity's attempts to like think of the world oh okay okay so basically what this is It is a semi kind of biography memoir of David Starr Jordan. David Starr Jordan, as we know it, is one of the big movers of taxonomy. Uh, Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So taxonomy being kind of the thing. It was something I learned in like eighth grade. Yeah, explain it. Yeah, explain it for the listeners that you know haven't learned that yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So taxonomy is when you sort animals and plants. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. So like when a plant has a Latin name, that's what's referring to. It's like genus, it's species, it's organizing nature. Right. More or less, what I kind of what I always accepted was like, all right, this is just you know, it makes sense because these plants or these animals have these characteristics and they kind of fit into these categories. What I didn't know was that a lot of this is just based on a group of people being like, yeah, we think this is right. (laughs) Animals devolve 
into lower beings based on their laziness <laughs> or their uh, parasitic nature. So like sea urchins devolve from a higher being because they have a parasitic nature was a belief in like the 19th century. Okay. And they're like, we're right. We know what we're talking about. We're scientists. Not to say that scientists aren't to be trusted, but like opinions and ideas change over time. And this is to say that this person, David Sard Jordan, tried to categorize a whole different bunches of fish, but really they kind of don't exist because they share a lot of different characteristics with other things. They're scaly like lizards, but also some lizards have fins like fish, but they aren't fish. You know, a frog is not a fish, but it can go underwater. Yeah. And I mean, like you look at a tadpole yeah. and knowing nothing else, would you be like, is that a fish? Why is it? Ta- right. A tadpole in every category would be a fish, but it's not a fish. Yeah, exactly. So fish don't exist. So you're basically saying the category is too widespread and covering too many things that it's just not accurate? The argument is that it's not accurate and is also founded on like the idea that animals devolve. She has a much better argument for like this whole venture is man's attempt to organize chaos. This man's whole life story is him trying to organize chaos and chaos being like, not today and destroying this man's life, <laughs> which I don't feel bad about because the man was also a trash bag okay right well he was a, he was a, eugen- a eugenicist which again for the kids that just- for kids at home so like <laughs> i'm trying to think of like a, a good way to phrase this it's not like awful that like different groups of people are superior to other groups of people based on characteristics like like whether they can swim or have fins or skin color <laughs> or right. you know yeah so he was not a good person but this book is incredible because it's not just like I wanted to learn about David Starr Jordan. It's also about like her like accidentally ending this relationship that she was a part of for years. Her using David Starr Jordan as a coping mechanism <laughs> to like get through this breakup or you know this end of this relationship and like her learning about herself. It's absolutely phenomenal. Really readable, really short, well worth the price of admission of free from my local library. What's it titled again? It's called Why Fish Don't Exist by Lulu Miller. Pick it up at your local library. Maybe your local library or your local independent bookstore. I'm I'm not much of a reader of nonfiction. Which one's fake? Nonfiction is true. Fiction is fake. Okay, I'm not a big fan of nonfiction. The real one. I'm not a big fan of real books. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like real books. So I will agree that there is value in nonfiction literature, just in this, the same way that there is a lack of value in fiction pieces of media. <laughs> <Not this>. <laughs> <laughs> it leads me into... <laughs> I know we've watched these together, yeah. but do you remember the Marvista Entertainment movie trailers? Yes. <laughs> okay. So for everyone out there, when we think of the Hallmark Channel, we think of these corny movies, you know, where we, no matter what time of the year it is, it's always Christmas on Hallmark. We switch over and you get to like meet this hardworking, sad female lead mm-hmm. who realizes that all she needed was this love of this random, like model level, handsome, like farmhand slash veterinarian slash widower. Baker. We love a baker. Exactly. <laughs> it's like super stereotypical and we totally know what to expect. And so some people really, really like that. I myself am a huge fan of the corny, not because like I like to live in this fantasy world of being like, oh, the guy and the girl always get together. But because corny also leads to just outright ridiculous. What the hell is happening? This doesn't make sense at all. Mm -hmm. There is a place cornier 
than the Hallmark Channel. It is a hidden gem of the internet. It is a place where the stereotypical storylines are not so much handed to you as they are screamed into your ear while Celine Dion plays in the background. <laughs> it is just like this intense treasure trove of cringe. Uh, the company is called Mar Vista Entertainment. It is. And they it, their Christmas movies are this beautiful gem. And when you watch the trailers for these Christmas movies, you will literally think that this whole business is satire. You will think they are going out of their way to make these movies like ridiculous and over the top and corny, but they aren't. They are genuinely doing their best. <laughs> and it is so funny. It makes it so much funnier to know that somebody sat there and was like, that's right. <laughs> this is what the movie needs. I, okay. So I have a very distinct memory. This is when we were living together. Okay. So also keep in mind, we've never seen any of these films in their entirety. No, never watched the movie. <laughs> No, just the trailers. We just fell down a rabbit hole of watching trailers. And it's like the same six actors. It's almost like a Mad Libs of a plot. Okay. She is a lawyer and he is a part-time Christmas light maker. <laughs> she has an injured puppy. <laughs> I'm like, it's just, it's just this absurd series of conveniences and they're just like the worst, best thing. And so the reason we watch the trailers is because probably like you, the cringiness of these would just be like unbearable mm -hmm. were we to sit down and watch them. But the trailer they've mastered like putting all this beautiful cringe into just like two minutes. Mm -hmm. And the best part is you don't have to worry about, you know, all these cliffhangers and like, will they, won't they like, oh, that actually sounds kind of interesting. I wonder how it works out. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll tell you. They spoil the movie in the trailer. <laughs> they, they literally will spoil the movie. So I have a very distinct memory of, I think, I think you posted something that was like, you know, if you want cringe, watch the Mar Vista things. Right. And our mutual friend, uh, Pat Carnaccio, I just remember him saying, okay. And then the next comment following that being like, I have watched these and I am very upset. Like, <laughs> Let me tell you about Christmas Perfection. <laughs> That's the title of one of these movies. So Christmas Perfection is the classic story of a girl who can't find that perfect guy, even though she's got a great best friend in her life. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hold on. Let me actually pull up the synopsis. Wait, that wasn't the synopsis. That was. You. No, that was my right. Because that, that might as well have been the synopsis. Hey everyone, post-production Alan here. I did cut out this next section about reading the synopsis just because it ended up dragging on for quite a bit and I don't want to force you through that cringe without your permission. We're going to be posting it on the Facebook page as its own separate thing. So if you want to listen to me read that, it's a hoot uh, and you can hop on over there. Otherwise, let's jump right back into this talking about how the trailer ruins the movie and all of these trailers do it. The literal last scene shown in the trailer is our female lead coming to her best friend and saying the line, I've been afraid of losing my best friend instead of realizing that everything I want is standing right in front of me. And then they kiss in the trailer. They kiss end of trailer and apparently end of movie. <laughs> So anyway, out of stuff we want to celebrate, we come watch these horrible Christmas trailers. You ever get so mad that it makes you happy? Yeah, I get that. This is that for me. I get like okay. so heated that at the end I'm just laughing and like red in the face. 
That's what this does for me. Got it. Matthew Ramston, a self-proclaimed gay runner, has recently taken on a new hobby. Why is this a smear ad? <laughs> a gift from a friend has led him down the path of spirituality. Is that how you say spirituality? <laughs> yep, that's exactly it. Matt's recent invocation of the crystal arts has led to a life-altering experience. We go live now to Matt. The only thing that whole intro gave me was this Bobby Newport has never had a real job <laughs> in his life. Yeah, so I have this little white crystal. It's clear, kind of hazy, but it is doing well. I um, I wear it around my neck sometimes because I have a little necklace for it, um, but I take it out at night so it doesn't fall and get lost in my sheets. Um, and yeah, I find it comforting, very nice. I think it's a nice little thing, but it is doing well. I will I will follow back up once that the one last demon is out of my room <laughs> as this now contains all the demons in my apartment. So I don't know if she has time. <laughs> hey, hon, yeah. can I borrow you? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Matt. Hi, Jenny. The reason I, I asked Jenny to be with us again is she has new information on your crystal. Oh, okay. So first of all, I confirmed that quartz is considered a master cleanser, which I said last time, but wasn't sure if it was 100% mm. accurate. <laughs> so I'm like, I hope I didn't lie. So basic information on quartz, it's known to amplify energy in a similar way, or at least I saw it described this way, how it refracts light. Mm -hmm. It like does the same thing with energy, like amplifies it. Okay. Fun fact, it's used in watches and computers to keep time because when you emit an electrical signal onto it, it like vibrates at a steady pace. And if you cut it at the right thickness, it beats exactly 60 seconds per minute. And that's why it's used in some watches. That's incredible. It kind of makes it a little more like accessible, like the thought of like it transmitting energy when you're like, oh, mm. it's literally used in like. It's literally a timekeeper. Like electronics. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And so I looked up also why they might be hazy. When it's hazy, it's called milky quartz. It can either be its own thing or embedded inside other crystals. And basically it's like liquids trapped while it was growing or <laughs> this is where you have to bear with me apparently it can turn hazy when it's like absorbed too much bad juju okay <laughs> literally demons <laughs> i saw so many different things online uh like some people are like it's a bad omen or you could be cursed Right. <laughs> some people said like oh if you've used it too much and it's like absorbed too much negative energy it can be like burnt out and then you have to cleanse it and then like one method of cleansing it i saw was like bury it in the earth for three weeks well i live in boston so yeah. i get like a pot or something or, put some soil in it no or water for three weeks no no for two days i guess yeah water does it faster i guess <laughs> so just keep it in a glass of water for three weeks and anyone else is like hi why is that weird rock in your glass of water the thing you have to be careful with i don't know about quartz specifically but a lot of stones like disintegrate in water so you have to oh. like use different methods for different stones okay well I'll, I'll i'll look up some different options for the milky quartz the question is was it hazy before you got it like was it already like that or did it turn hazy when you said your room suddenly <laughs> felt better <laughs> From my memory of it, it's always been rather hazy. So it may just be burnt out because it's, it's from a friend who like 
who's been using it to like uh, his understanding is like it's like it's like a cleansing thing. It's like a healing mm-hmm. stone. Yeah, and so I'm sure it's been used for a whole bunch of healing stuff. So it, like to transfer from one person to another without a break, it's like oh god, so much baggage. <laughs> too much baggage. Yeah, maybe you should cleanse it and reset it. And you can like program them too, like mm-hmm. like just setting an intention for it so that it like works for you, not for him. <laughs> okay, yeah, that might be a good thing. I'll, I'll look into cleansing. I look into the water one or maybe the earth one. I don't know, but I I think now that I have a little bit more information, yeah. you can make an educated choice going forward. Moonlight, sunlight, I've heard those work too. All right, wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny, our resident crystal expert. <laughs> Don't call me an expert because people shouldn't trust what I'm saying. <laughs> but <laughs> Thank you. So this actually leads really nicely into my another thing I, I really want to appreciate, which was I really like learning new things. And there is a very, very good feeling that you get when you either learn these fun facts like the quartz reverberates at 60 seconds a minute, like exactly, or even just like conceptual stuff, like these big cosmic ideas is really exciting and really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna plug another pod, two podcasts. I'll give, I'll count myself at two um, that kind of do that fulfill this this part of me. Uh, one is 99% Invisible, and the other one is Radiolab. I've heard of Radiolab. Radiolab breaks my brain on a regular basis; just absolutely wrecks me. And that's more like science writing or society writing, or they kind of cover a whole different slew of topics. Mm-hmm. 99% Invisible tends to cover objects and design, so why stop signs are shaped the way they're shaped. Oh, okay. It's like, why is it a hexagon? Octagon. Why is it an octagon? (laughs) And it's because basically the the gentleman, I forget his name, I'm sorry, uh, who who designed our highway safety regulations, believe that the more sides an object has or a shape has, it is perceived to be more safe. So an octagon having the highest amount of sides of all the signs is considered the safe sign because you're completely stopped. I love that. It's fascinating. This is exactly what you're talking about. Like yeah, this exactly. learning of the new stuff. Like that's fun. Yeah. And it's just these little stories. Like why 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 did the New York Public Library not carry Goodnight Moon for like 50 years? It's because the librarian hated it. <laughs> like like the, like the the children's librarian thought it was a garbage book and didn't teach kids anything. And it goes in this whole story of like different education methods and like, you know, how do we teach kids to read? Should they be escapists or should they be real or like what is going on? It, it's fascinating. And the reason I bring this up is because I I was doing some errands today before I had to go to work and I was listening to Radio Lab and they had an episode about um the economy. Mm-hmm. And kind of what is going on with the United States current economy, with the current events that are going on. And one of the arguments was that you should mint mint a new coin. Which means just like creating like the new quarter or whatever. Yeah, yes and no. So here's where it gets fun. Okay. So uh, there's a, a, a branch of economists who believe that if we were to mint a new coin and put new money into the economy, it would relieve some of the stress the economy is currently under. And you can feel free to bleep this because we're going to swear, but I want to get the quote right. Okay. So this particular economist said, mint the f***ing coin. <laughs> referring to a $1 trillion coin. Why? Because basically what you could do is that if you minted 
let's say, $200 trillion of coins, yeah. all of a sudden the U.S. has $200 trillion more dollars in the economy. Isn't But isn't the whole argument about inflation, like that the more money you put into the economy, the higher the prices get? That was my understanding. So that goes back to a, a conversation about the gold standard. When money was kind of first around, was that you would basically trade in pieces of gold for money. So if you had an ounce of gold, you would get $20. And depending on the availability of gold, that price would go up or down. Now that we no longer use the gold standard, the question is, what does money rest on? And basically the argument that they make is that it comes from the people's faith in the government and that this paper shall be used to exchange for goods and services. Yeah, exactly. With that idea in mind, who's to say the government can't just, like Harry Potter, $200 trillion <laughs> into existence and just add more money? Okay. Exactly, yes. <laughs> You're just like, wait, why? Well, what, what I'm stuck on is the physicality of it. Mm -hmm. How big is this coin going to be? Not, and I know the, the size yeah. of the coin doesn't have to equate to its value, but it needs to be big enough that you're not going to accidentally drop it somewhere right. and like make a homeless person a trillionaire, but it can't be so big that you can't fit it in your wallet. I don't think it's in the sense that you would get this coin like by accident at a Target, like getting your change. <laughs> right. you know, you're not like, oh, oh Canadian nickel. And oops, all trillionaires. <laughs> I think it's just more of a conceptual thing having it be kind of a, a physical embodiment of this idea that like we're going to put this amount of money back into the economy. And so the way you do that is by making a physical thing. It's similar to those like collector's coins right? that you see, you know, on TV for like ads for like, it is the 119th Congressional Memorial Coin, like whatever. And it's just like, <laughs> it's, it just has a, a picture of the Capitol building and like- A buffalo or something. Right, a buffalo or whatever. <laughs> and just says like, in memory of the 119th Congressional <laughs> Congress. That coin does not need to represent the value of anything. But if you slapped a trillion dollars on it, that now coin is now worth a trillion dollars. It's this idea of like what value is ascribed and how that affects our belief. And this is all to say that I kept thinking about this all day because I was like, well, the one thing I knew about money is now wrong. Kind of like you, I was understanding like you can't just add money because that's how you get like a World War One Weimar Republic barrel fulls of money by a loaf of bread because the money's worthless. Now that we're kind of in this other conversation of money is based on what we just accept it to be, this this is just an infinitely more interesting conversation. And like now I feel like I have a much more interesting view of that world. It's a cool conversation, that's for sure. I recommend that podcast. They did an episode called uh, More Money, Less Problems. Love it. They had a, a terrible COVID Christmas special. They had a whole story about the guy who invented the mumps vaccine. They did an episode about what would happen in the wake of the 2020 election. Just like conceptually, not like politically, not anything like that, but like they basically played war games. See, like, all right, so let's say Donald Trump declares victory this night. And it's just these like series of like, what would happen if... And it's just this absolutely fascinating argument of like, we are woefully unprepared for various things, but it's interesting to learn like how we're trying to. That's really cool. So please listen to 99% Invisible and please listen to Radio Lab. They're both phenomenal programs. And listen to them after? After this one, yes. <laughs> so I think that brings us to the end of our second episode. It does. And to celebrate the end of the second episode, I wanted to do this thing. <laughs> you made a joke last episode that I laughed at but did not understand. Okay. Well, I wanted to bring it up so you could explain it to me. Okay. When we were talking about the crystals being, <laughs> we were talking about the crystals going in people's bras. 
Mm-hmm. You said somebody was onto something. I forget. Oh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay. Why? What does Pepper Potts have to do with crystals? Gwyneth Paltrow runs a like lifestyle blog empire called Goop. Right. It is just a very crunchy granola, holistic, organic uh, lifestyle brand. And one of the things that they sell is a jade egg that women can use in parts of their body. Oh. <laughs> it's like dis- pure disappointment in my voice. Like, and they have oh, like no. They have like different crystals and different things that you can get that like are supposed to purify your energy and all of this. They're radically expensive. Yeah. They also have like an avocado mattress. <laughs> right. Made of like avocado fibers. Oh, okay. I was picturing like one of the you know kids have those car beds. Oh my God. Like a big avocado. I'm like, I guess like you hug the pit or whatever, and it's kind of like a body pillow. <laughs> Can I have an avocado bed like that? Oh my god. But yeah, so that was that was what that was. Gwyneth Paltrow sells jade eggs that you can use for things. This has been why was that funny with Matt Gramston? <laughs> I'm sure there'll be another one. You're like, all right, what was that? Yeah, it happens a lot. My humor is very, very weird. I acknowledge that. Well, it's not just even you. Like, there are times when, just for the sake of social anxiety, I'll laugh when I know I'm supposed to laugh and then just move on. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, thanks for listening to our second episode. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Overcast, Anchor. We're still not on Apple. We're working on it. But yeah, thank you for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Six Degrees Pod, like our Facebook page. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge help to us. Any kinds of reviews or shares, you can't review things on Spotify. So once we get on Apple, reviews will be huge there. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, if you just want to like shoot the link to an episode that made you <laughs> laugh to like a buddy or something, like a group yeah. chat or something, we'd super appreciate that. That would be super nice of you. Thank you to... Oh. Thank you to Lakey Inspired for our theme song, the, prog- the Process. It's The Process. And that's another thing. I said it wrong last time. The Process, not The Progress. Super great. Like, I bop to that song. I freaking love it. <laughs> or that song bops, or I slap, or it slaps. I don't know these things. This has been Boomer Slime with Alan Parker. <laughs> Matt, thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me, Alan. Yeah, of course. I'll see you next week. See you next time. All right, play us out. Let the music play. Let them play the music. So what you doing after this? Probably eating chocolate covered pretzels in my bed. <laughs> <laughs>